Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Well, we're going to continue in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll pick it up in verse 16 this morning. You remember, those of you who were here, those of you who this is maybe a, a first time or uh, you, you'd missed uh, the start of this where we got started in our recent study, but uh, this particular portion of Scripture is dealing with giving. And Paul is encouraging that group in Corinth to begin what they started to do. And we kind of touch base. I know that for some of you who might be new or, uh, you know, or just new, maybe newer even to our fellowship, uh, we cover this topic of giving when we come across it. We're teaching through the New Testament on Sunday mornings, and so we happen to today be in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, and uh, this is where we are in Scripture. And I, I only emphasize that because uh, these aren't pre-planned things, and there's some, uh, you know, everything's, uh, you know, going bankrupt, and so we're begging for money or something. I just like to be perfectly clear. I find that very offensive. I think it's a misrepresentation of who God is, and uh, that's not the case. So, you know, this is a body that uh, is a, a giving body, and, and I'm thankful for that, that we understand the tithing principles and the things that we teach from God's Word, and that we acknowledge God moves through those things. We talked about this concept of giving and the significance of it is how it separates us from our selfish uh, tendencies that we all have. You know, we uh, work and we get paid for the the work we do and then uh, God's desire is that the tithe is means tenth or one tenth a tenth per ten percent. That's what the tithe means. It's a biblical principle that we find throughout the Bible, but in particular, some people say, well, that's kind of a law thing and kind of a just a legalistic perspective that doesn't have anything to do with New Testament believers. Well, that's not necessarily true. Uh, the principle is put in place. The tithe or the tenth belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. All we're doing is giving back or honoring God and acknowledging this is his and presenting it back to him. This is the concept. If I had a bicycle and I rode my bike over here, in, in the, I do have a bicycle. I didn't ride it this morning. But uh, if I had a bicycle, I rode my bike over here and I parked my bike outside and I put, put it in the rack. And then you guys, somebody came in and said, hey, you know what? We just really want to bless you. You know, we've got the, the, we saw this bike out front, and we just want to bless you with this bike. We always want to give that to you. You're not giving me anything. It's my bike. You, you get the, the idea. It's already mine, but you're saying, well, no, we want to give it to you. But you, you see the idea. It sounds kind of crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Well, that's kind of the idea when we're not wanting to acknowledge the tithe in that concept. The tithe isn't really a gift. The tithe belongs to God. All you're doing, all I'm doing, is honoring God with it. Now, to me, I'm, I can tell you, this is a principle that's in the Scriptures that comes with a huge blessing. God says, that, test me. It's the only place in Scripture where he says, test me. And Malachi says, test me and see 
if I won't just prove this out, this principle, that I won't radically bless you. And the idea is, is you can argue with God all you want. I'm not going to dispute it. The giving is between you and the Lord. I want to clarify something because, see, I don't know anything about what any of you give here. I know nothing. That, that, that record is between the person that keeps the record and the Lord and you. And that's it. And the government, I suppose. You know, if you use that in your taxes. But that's not why we give either, is it? It's just because, hey, there's a tax benefit. That's a great thing. We're thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. But that's not why we give. You see, we give to honor God. There's something that happens when we acknowledge and say, man, that doesn't belong to me. That belongs to the Lord. And when I honor him and give that back, he's pleased with that. It separates me from my selfish tendencies that this is mine to do with whatever I want. Think about it. God says 90% belongs to you. The Bible says that God gives you the breath of life, that God keeps your heart beating, that God gives you the number of days, that God gives you the energy and the ability to work and get work. God provided the job that you have for you. All those things God provided for you, and God's allowing you 90% to do with whatever you like. That's your choice. And so it's just a principle, a concept. I found it very, very liberating to me. Personally, I can only speak personally about it on that level. I found it very liberating because I found, man, I'm just set free from the bondage of that. I can honor the Lord. It pleases God, and God blesses in that. Now, why I say I don't know anything about any of it is because I don't, and so that you can understand that that's between you and the Lord. I think it is a personal matter. It is something that's personal, and I think you need to dispute with God and not dispute with others or me or anything about how little or how much you want to give to God. That's really between you and the Lord. I know what God did for me. I know what he's done for me. I know how he's taken me literally out of darkness. And we can pridefully sit and be haughty about what we have, but I can guarantee you it can change in a heartbeat. And I just want to honor the Lord with every breath. I want to go out when it's time to be done with this journey. We talk, we sing that song. When I walk from earth into eternity, you and I, every one of us, will walk from this earth into eternity, into the presence of the Lord. Now, some of us are just going to skid in by our face and get up and just, you know, thank God, skin of our teeth made it. Glory. And I will rejoice with you, I guarantee you. But the reality is, there is a grand entrance the Bible talks about. And I believe part of that is our honoring the Lord with our lives. I want, and I know you want, really, it's our desire as Christians, as believers, to finish well. And it starts with a good beginning, you know, finish well. You know, I want to go out when it's time. When I walk from this earth into eternity, I want to go into the presence of the Lord Man, just knowing that I did the best that I could with whatever was entrusted to me. No one will ever demean or diminish, and certainly the Lord will not, if you're doing the absolute best that you can with whatever was entrusted to you. You see, things are entrusted to you and me. We talk about the principle of that and what happens. There's either going to be a big bonfire, wood, hay, and stubble, with what was entrusted to you and what you did with what was entrusted to you, or... There's going to be jewels and, and precious stones and, and different things, that precious metals and stuff that are entrusted to you. 
It's just the way the principle of, of honoring the Lord with your life, with your energies, with your resources. So Paul tells this group, the church in Jerusalem is suffering, kind of famine times and difficulties. The church is suffering there. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. The gospel came through you there, right? Jesus was a, a Jewish man, and it came through that culture, through those people. Those are God's chosen people. We know that through the word. And the gospel came through there and spread from there to the rest of the Gentile world. The Gentile world, you and I, are the beneficiaries of that. And Paul is just saying, hey, they're struggling there. Let's do something to bless them. Let's, let's bridge that gap that there's kind of the Jewish believers and then there's the Gentile believer. And he's saying, Let, let's bridge that gap. Let's, let's do something and bless them and give to them. So he's doing this collection, letting them, they, it was on their hearts to be a part of it a year earlier. And now he's saying, hey, let's follow through with this. That's where we're picking it up. And you remember, they a year earlier, it was their intent to be a part of it, and he's challenging them, saying, let's follow through with it. You know, when we touched on this last week, that was a very significant thing. Follow through is something that is very, very lacking in our world today. Follow through is severely lacking. There's the good start, but oftentimes poor follow through. And then it's a big statement to our world around us as believers when they see you follow through with things. I know none of us are perfect, believe me. I open my garage door and know it every time I hit the button. You know, it's just there's plenty of things that are started and not done yet. You know, it's all right there for me to visually see every day. But the reality is that God does honor that, and we want to stay with it and keep working at it and keep working at it and that it might honor him. But thanks be to God. You remember Titus is the one that's coming through, that's going to collect this and, and take this along uh, and over to the, the believers that are struggling. But thanks be to God in verse 16 of chapter 8, who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent him with the brother who, whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not only that, but who was chosen, was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind. Avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift which is administered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. I like this. You'll notice he, he talks about uh, to the glory of the Lord himself, in the sight of the Lord. You'll find to the glory of God. You'll find he's, he constantly is using that term. There's something very important about it uh, in, as far as resources and the things that we do, uh, energies or efforts, that we're doing them unto the Lord. You remember those that we things that we do to be seen by men and they give the yay, great job, great job, great job. You get all your kudos, that's it. That's it. It's exactly that. Just dead silent emptiness. That's what you get. This is why we don't talk about all that stuff that much. This is why we don't make a big deal about who's doing what and serving in what capacity and all these different things. We don't want to steal what the blessing might be for them in the Lord. Because those things you and I are to be doing between us and God. 
Not, not, not to be seen by men because then it's you've had, you've got your reward. This is absolutely the reverse of everything the world tells us. The world tells us that we should be doing things so that people acknowledge us and give us the big pats on the back, and so now we're all encouraged and stuff. No, we're supposed to be looking to be encouraged in our walk as Christians in the Lord, to be encouraged by God, to have God moving us along in our journey, that it's motivated by the Spirit, it's done in the Spirit, and God honors it in his Spirit. Different thought process, different way of working through these things, different than the world sees or or acknowledges things. So, not just in the sight of men, but in the sight of the Lord. And we have sent with them our brother, in verse 22, whom we have often proven diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Quite an acknowledgement. Or, if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the church, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and our boasting on your behalf. Hey man, treat them right. Follow through with what you said you'd do. Man, it's going to be honoring to God. God's going to be uh, pleased and blessed by it. And it's going to do something uh, to encourage other believers. Paul is definitely using that idea of provocation. He's provoking. You know the Bible says to provoke one another to good works, that kind of challenge or nudge in the right way. There's a right way for you and I to be challenged or to be nudged in our walk with the Lord, to be challenged to move forward, to not just stay in that same state of mind or being, but to move on in our journey with Jesus. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. He says, man, this is a great thing, what you're wanting to do and how you're wanting to do it. He's saying this is good, and it's really been something that's been a great challenge to others around. I think if our lives represent that, it's healthy. You know, do people see that? You know, how you live, how you walk, how you handle your life, and are they saying, man, that's awesome. I'd like to be, you know, following that kind of a pattern or that kind of a, a style of living. You know, that's, that's a, a challenge for us. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we can see Paul as he's continuing that same thought, saying that the, the group, the whole area was stirred up to be a part of this gift. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that I said you may be ready. Lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. He says, hey man, listen, I'm giving you a heads up. There's people coming, and when they come, you know, just know that there's going to be, this is the thing. This is my understanding of this. People are watching your life and watching my life. They're watching just your, the whole picture as a believer of who you are as a Christian and how you live your life. They're observing that. And if they're observing that, what is it that they're observing? Are they observing a life that's set apart to the Lord for God's purpose? Is that the observation that they're making 
Or are they looking at something and saying, yeah, it seemed like they had good intentions, but they just don't really follow through with much of it. You know, they're just not really prepared to do those things that they thought they were going to do or, or whatever it might be. This is a, a, an important concept, I think. A good principle to think through and, and let God speak to our hearts on. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time. So I want to give you a heads up on this and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. There comes in a key principle in our giving, is that for all of us in our giving, whatever it is, whether it's our time or our resources, here we're speaking specifically of resources, but whatever it might be, we don't want to do things grudgingly, Whatever it might be, whether it's helping empty a trash can or whether it's, you know, sweeping a floor or whether it's meeting with someone to talk to them about something that has to do with the Lord, um, whatever it might be, we don't want to do those things unto the Lord grudgingly. Remember how we talked about it when Jesus watched how the widow gave her two mites and she, Jesus watched how she gave. And this is kind of part of that, ties back into that principle of us knowing, okay, how is it that I'm doing things? What is it that people are observing? You know? And, and that idea of, are they observing you doing something out of duty and obligation grudgingly? This is a real key principle for us in what we do unto the Lord. Because it's easy for us to slip into kind of that thought process sometimes. And you know what? I find that for a lot of times as Christians, we can slip into that and not even know we're there. We can just kind of fall prey. Because we can go into going through the motion of some of our Christian experience, but not have the passion for God. So I can be doing things that seem like the right things, but not have the right heart about what I'm doing and why I'm doing those things. And God really wants us to have the right heart. Okay, so the thought is this. This is what I kind of focus on with this. Is it's the I get to's, not the I have to's. We shift so much of what goes on in our Christian experience in the I have to instead of I get to. Do you, I, I can tell you right now, there are people right now sitting in convalescent homes. Let's give it a five-mile radius of right where you sit right now. That are sitting in convalescent homes that would love to be sitting where you're sitting right now. They're older. Health matters have caused them not to be able to be out and about as much. And I'm not saying that to impose any kind of guilt on any of us or anything because you've got health and you're able to be here. I, I think it's a blessing. But do you see it as that? You get to, not have to. There's a lot of people that love to be able to, but can't because of their health or their condition and, and they can't get where they want to. We get calls from people that want to be right where you are right now but don't have transportation and can't get here. Do you know that? Did you think about the people outside of your bubble where you live in your mind, your world, your life? 
I think of the people that walk miles, seriously, in different parts of the world, walk miles to get together to experience what we could get to experience in koinonia and fellowship and worship together. The I get to's, not the I have to's. We're just so, we got such an abundance and we're so narcissistic. We're just so engulfed in ourselves that we, you know, and I, I, I understand this isn't like some, if you came and you thought, well, gosh, I always thought we were going to get this awesome, uplifting thing going. I hope it ends up there. But the reality is we have to be honest about this stuff. I am sick of passive Christianity that's going down the toilet to nothingness. It's horrible. It's a shame. But I have to look in the mirror and say, Jim, but what are you doing? I can't worry about everybody. I, I got to hear from the Lord. Jim, what are you doing? And so I want to be looking at these principles and saying, hey, man, am I looking at the things that God puts in front of me as, ah, well, I, I got to take care of that. I got to go do this. Or am I looking to say, this is an opportunity to minister and to, to love, to show the love of the Lord to someone in a situation, whatever it might be. It's real interesting because we get into this a little bit further as we go along. So this matter of their, their gift and the things they're wanting to do that they've purposed to do, that now there's a group coming through to, to follow through with this. And he's challenging them, giving them a heads up. Hey, listen, these other guys are traveling with them and they're going to know whether you're, you're doing what you said you're going to do or not. So I'm encouraging you, please, we're, we've challenged everybody because you said you were going to do that. You see, I have a lot of people that come to me and say, hey, we want to be involved. We want to serve. But is, the, is it the desire only to do it for themselves or do you really want to serve the Lord? See, I have to let that happen. I have to let that prove itself out because God's not looking for just a warm body. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for people who have a heart after him to do the things that he wants to do. He's not looking for people that just have this personal agenda to accomplish. God's not looking for that. God's looking to move through individuals to accomplish his agenda here on this earth. And so we want to get in line our will with his will so that we can be a part of what God wants to do. And I think by and large, our church is doing that. This is important, important stuff. It separates you and I from our selfishness. You see, God's a giver. He's a giving God. And you and I can change our thoughts of how we approach these principles. This is Pastor Jim. I know as you've been listening to the word today that God uh, may very well be speaking to many of you. And maybe some of you just need to come back to the Lord. Maybe some of you need to give your life to the Lord who've never given your lives to the Lord. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, Jesus said that calling out to those who are burdened with the things of life. And Jesus wants us to come alongside with him. He is gentle and lowly in heart. 
And that's where we're going to really find rest for our souls. It's a simple prayer of faith. And I just want to pray this simple prayer along with you. So if you just want to pray this, whether you're driving or whether you're sitting at home or wherever you are, you might be in your office, you might have this coming on through your earbuds, but the Lord wants to make himself known to you and for you to have a personal relationship with him. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a personal relationship. And it starts by just saying yes to Jesus and giving your life to him. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I want to give my life to you. I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I want to cast all my cares upon you, knowing that you care for me. And I know that, uh, Lord, I feel weighted down and burdened by the things of this life. And and I just want to have that newness of life. And so I ask that you'd come into my life and be my personal Lord and Savior. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior into my heart. And I ask that you would just Continue that work that you've begun in my life right now. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Calvary Chapel KC. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com, or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountain.